Hello and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. Open your Bibles or turn your Bibles on to Luke chapter 8, verse 40. We'll jump right in to the assignment that God has given me to give to you guys this morning. Are we ready? Verse 40 reads, I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you're reading from another version, it's okay. Follow along with us on the screens, and you'll be able to follow along if you have another version. It says, so it was, uh uh-huh, when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him, and behold, there came a man named Jairus. Someone say Jairus. Say with a little Holy Ghost, Jairus. Say it like you got some power, Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately. Someone say immediately. Come on, we went through this before. Say it with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, and immediately her flow of blood stopped, and Jesus said, who touched me? Who be touching me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throg and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touch me, for I perceive power going out from me. And Jesus said, somebody touch me, I perceive power going out from me. And Jesus said, somebody touch me, for I perceive power going out from me. Side note, you can't touch Jesus and not receive power. Hello, somebody. Verse 47, now when the woman saw that she could no longer be hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, and she declared in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. There it is again. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher but when Jesus heard it he answered and said do not be afraid only believe and she will be made well when he came into the house he permitted no one to go in except Peter James and John and the father and the mother of the girl and all now all mourned uh, for her but he said do not weep she is not dead but sleeping Uh uh-huh verse 53 we're almost there and they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead but listen to what Jesus does but he put them all outside Side note, sometimes when God is doing something in your life, you got to be willing to put whoever you need to put out so that God can get in. Maybe God is waiting on you to put them out so he can get in and do what he needs to do in your life. Somebody say amen. He put them all outside, took the little girl by the hand and called saying, a little girl arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. Somebody praise God for something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. My assignment this morning is to preach to you from the subject, desperate measures. Touch your neighbor and say, desperate times. Come on now, you got to touch a good neighbor. Somebody's going to talk back to you. Okay, find a neighbor that'll talk back to you. Say, desperate times calls for desperate measures. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. I want your neighbor mad. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for how you're taking us to the higher level. Thank you for elevating our life. And God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he 
is to us. Thank you for what he represents in our lives. Now, Father, we come to give you all of our attention for the next 36 minutes and 21 seconds that you might be able to speak a rhema word. That means right now in my situation, what I'm dealing with, I came for a word. And I pray, Father, that you would allow us to eliminate every distraction, every ding on the phone, every notification on Instagram and Twitter that would bind or stop you from speaking to us in this moment. We thank you. We give you permission to have your way. We open our hearts, we open our heads, and we open our minds that you might be able to speak into our spirits in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. All right, let's get to work. Uh, Luke chapter 8 is probably one of the most fascinating New Testament chapters of the New Testament. There are so many miracles, so many signs and wonders, so many great things that are accomplished before we get to Luke chapter 8 verse 40. When you track through Luke chapter 8, because I want all of you guys to go back and read it when you get a chance. I'm sure you've read it before, but I want you to go and read it in parallel to everything that we're talking about today because Luke chapter 8 has some very fascinating things there that it talks about. Jesus is there. Now, I, I, need, to, I need to qualify something. Uh, we, we're, we're talking about Jesus here. We're not talking about baby Jesus. Now behold the lamb. No, no, no. We're not talking about baby Jesus that was born in swaddling, wrapped, wrapped in swaddling and, and put in the manger. We're not talking about baby, baby Jesus. We're not talking about teenage Jesus. See, we're not talking about the one that was, that, that was lost from his mama and his daddy and he, he was found in the temple and he was in the temple and he was telling the people in the temple he was finishing their verses and he was telling them all the stuff and his mama shows up and she says boy where you been and his mama and he says to his mama woman don't you know I must be about my father's business I'm not talking about that particular Jesus I'm not even talking about young adult Jesus I'm not talking about the younger adult Jesus where where we find out in Luke 252 that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man I'm not talking about that particular Jesus. I'm talking about full-grown Jesus here. This Luke chapter 8 is about Jesus who has went down and been baptized. Hello, somebody. He's gone down in the water to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You must. Come on now. Somebody went to Sunday school in here. You must be born again. And I'm talking about Jesus who went down in the water. He was baptized, he was filled with glory, and he went into the desert, and he fasted for 40 days, and he was tempted, and then after the temptation, the Bible says angels came, and, and, and they revived him, and he went into full-time ministry. He starts going fully into it. It is now time to fulfill the purpose for which God had given him to come into the earth for. It is time to do everything that God has called him to do. So now we're looking at a full-grown Jesus who is fully walking in his purpose and his destiny. Jesus is now making his way and throughout the place and he is performing miracles and signs and wonders. He is healing blind men. He is spitting loogies on the ground. Oh, Jesus, help us all. Taking muddy dirt and putting it in people's eyes and now they see better. He is speaking to tombs and speaking to dead men and if he had not said the dead men's name, everything dead that was in the tomb would have come out walking because that's the type of power that Jesus was walking in. I'm talking about Jesus. Anybody know who I'm talking about? 
I'm talking about Jesus who spoke to a centurion soldier and he said, listen, my son, he's, he's ill and he's, he's about to die and I need you to come to my house. And Jesus says, uh, I'm going to send my word to your house. I'm so powerful. God has gifted me so much so. What's inside of me is so strong that I don't even have to physically be there to touch your son to heal him. But at my word, your son will be healed. And the Bible says that at the word that Jesus spoke, at the very same time that that boy was healed, I'm talking about full grown flowing flowing going Jesus who is full of glory and he is now entering into the city where Jairus and the people are because he is flowing in purpose and when he gets off the boat the first thing that he finds out is there is a situation somebody say situation yeah, I, it, Wikipedia it later, I'm going to create it, it'll be there. <laughs> well, watching Jesus in a situation where he now actually gets to perform the miracle or a miracle that the people have heard about. Now, you got to understand, this was before Instagram. This was before uh, uh, Twitter. This was before uh, Snapchat, uh, chat snaps. Yes, this was before all of that. This was before Facebook. Uh, this was before CNN, Fox, and CBS. This was before all of that. A and Jesus' popularity had risen to a degree where people actually understood who he was, and they began to follow him by the masses because they wanted to see him perform one of these miracles that they had heard. They heard about the water turned into wine. They heard about the pool of Bethesda they heard they heard they heard so everybody's clamoring to see this dude named Jesus and they just want to see him do what he does they want to see him flow and glory girl girl Jesus is in the city he here girl he here we finna see something. we finna see something good girl Jesus in the city. Everybody's excited. Everybody's trying to get close to Jesus because he's there. And now they've heard that there is a problem that's in the city that he gets to address. Not only do they get to see Jesus in their city, but they get to watch him perform a miracle. Oh my God, what it must have been like to see Jesus walk and talk and come into the town. Do you understand that Jesus is a better preacher than Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes all put together? Bishop Jakes, nobody can touch him because he he is Jesus. He is Jesus. He is the word made flesh. What it must have been like to watch Jesus, the word, walk towards me. I would be so excited to see Jesus walk in my city. And the people are excited. And there is anticipation in the atmosphere. And something happens. Now, you got to understand, when I, when I read the Bible, I have a tendency to look at every story through camera lenses because I'm a bit of a movie connoisseur. Side note, I have not seen Endgames. Don't anybody tell me anything about it. I, I had to stop my kids. They were out till 12 last night watching Endgames. Yes, we are good parents, amen. <laughs> uh, uh, my wife and I are huge movie connoisseurs, so we love to watch movies. And when we watch movies together, my wife, you know, she's really into the story. She loves everything that's happening. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Me, I'm watching the cinematography. Watching the transition, oh, that transition was, that was choppy. 
That wasn't really good. I'm watching the camera uh, quality. Oh, that was weird. That was kind of strange. Did you see that camera? It should have moved right there. I didn't even see. He stepped out. He was stage left, and the camera should have been centered. It was just really weird. So I'm watching weird stuff like that. Oh, and I'm going to tell you, I appreciate good cinematography. I appreciate when I'm watching a show, and it can really flow, and I can feel myself in the room or in the situation. I love it. I love it. So when I read the Bible, I read it through a cinematic mindset. So I'm looking at these different camera lenses and I'm watching this story break down and there's something that's about to go down and all of a sudden the camera lens switches to what my first point is, the woman. Here Jesus is in the city there to perform a miracle for the daughter but this uninvited actress invades her way into the scene and forces herself stage front in front of the camera and she is now in the in the scene and we are forced to pay attention to this woman who has impeded upon everyone in the city being able to watch Jesus perform this miracle and the woman is interesting somebody say the woman this woman was not just any woman now this woman this woman was if you read through Luke Luke has a way of giving Massive detail. Luke is a physician, so he knows how to write. He knows how to communicate. He knows how to tell us everything that's happening. As a matter of fact, when you read through the Gospels, Luke has the most detailed writing that you will find. And then all of a sudden, we see Luke leaving out massive detail here about introducing this woman into the scene. He says that she is a woman with an issue of blood. Now, why would Luke not give this woman a name? I love that she was nameless because it gives us the opportunity as readers and as watchers of this movie to actually insert ourselves in the story. So now when I'm reading the woman with the issue, it's hard. If they would have said Sally with the issue, if they would have said Shaniqua with an issue, if they would have said Dante with an issue, if they would have said Lee with an issue, it would have been very easy for me to say they're not talking about me. They're talking about somebody else. But the very fact that Luke Lee leaves off the fact that her name is not there gives me the ability to insert myself in the text and now we have inserted ourselves now it's Ontario with an issue it is John with an issue it is Mary with an issue and now I actually get to walk in the story with Jesus in this moment so this woman is nameless for a purpose because now I get to insert myself into the story and this woman has an issue she has an issue that has been plaguing her life that should have only lasted three to five days. Three to five days turns into two weeks. Two weeks turns into a month and she goes to the doctor. Issues not resolving after the doctor prescribes the medication, expensive medication that her insurance would not cover or copay. Hello, somebody. We know how these things work still has the issue after a month, still has the issue after six months. Can you imagine what she must have felt like? How, how, ooh, attitude, glory, Jesus help us all. All my ladies say amen. Just one of them days when I want to be all alone, when I'm, oh, come on, y'all ain't been saved all your life. 
Don't want to take it out on you. <laughs> Don't take it personal. I just want to be all alone. When you think I'm treating you wrong, just, it ain't personal. Six months turns into a year. A year turns to two. Two turns to three. She goes holistic. Maybe we can find some holistic medicine, holistic doctor, holistic approach to this situation. Maybe that can resolve the issue. She goes holistic and it gets worse. A year turns to two, two turns to four, four turns to six, six turns to eight, eight turns to ten. And now she's questioning, what did I do to deserve such an issue in my life? How come this issue will not change? How come I've spent every, I spent all of my Benjamins, all of my savings, all of my 401k, everything I had has been spent on this issue and this issue will not change. Anybody know what it's like to have an issue that will refuse us to change? Anybody knows what it's like to have an issue and come to church every week and it still seems like it does not resolve? Anybody know what it live, feels like to live with an issue that it seems like you can't do anything about that will change that problem so she this woman has an issue and I'm glad that she does because it reminds me that the Bible is full of people who God has used who have yeah y'all remember um I'll start from the beginning y'all remember Adam and Eve they had a sin issue y'all remember them Noah after he did the boat thing you know the the water in the boat Y'all remember that? Two by two? Okay. After he did that boat thing, amazing, right? Got drunk in a cave. He had a drinking issue. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are. So let's just praise the Lord. Oh, y'all ready? Turn around, sit down. Oh, Father Abraham, who had many sons, and before he had them, he was a liar. Had a lying issue. He walked into a town. His wife must have been fine like mine. King says, who's that lady? Beautiful lady. He says, who is she with? And because Abraham feared for his life, Abraham said, she's my sister. Now, y'all got to know that wasn't a good conversation between Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was like, now, Abraham, you better speak up for me. You will be father of no nations sleeping on the couch. You better say something right now. I just know you better say something. Girl, be quiet. You're going to get us both killed. I don't care. I will die with honor. I would rather die with honor. Girl, be quiet. <laughs> My weave was tight. It, was, it wasn't coming off. It was, yeah. Good sew in. Come on, somebody. Abraham lies, says she's my sister, but God still uses him to be the father of many nations. And when God speaks of who he is to all of his ancestors, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's jump to the New Testament. Peter had a cussing issue. Thomas had a doubting issue. Judas had a betraying issue. 
But yet, God still used most of them to do great exploits. And I don't know about you, but when I look back over my own life, and I begin to think about how far God has brought me from, and I begin to think about the issues that I have had myself, and I begin to look back over everything that has happened and transpired and every transaction that has taken place in my own life, I get kind of excited because if God will use Abraham with his issues, if God will use Adam with his issues, if God will use Peter with his issues, then just maybe God will use me with my issues too. I need a few people in here that have some issues to get excited about the fact that God still uses people who have a few issues. Yes, God is gracious. He will look past your issues and still use you, boo-boo. He still loves you and he thinks that you're amazing despite the failures and the things that you've done. And I love the fact that we have this woman who has no name and she has a 12-year issue that has been plaguing her life. Let's switch camera lenses. Now let's look at the lens of the people. Yeah. Let's look at these people. Let's look at these people that were there because the crowd was interesting. This crowd that was there, you got to understand. So the Bible says it makes it very clear that they were that they were Throgging him is what New King James says, okay? The Bible says the crowd was close enough to throg him, okay? So when you look up the word throg, it means to crush or to press against, okay? So that means that this crowd was so close to Jesus, okay? I, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need five good-looking brothers to just jump up, just, just jump up, good-looking brothers. Just five good-looking brothers, okay? You ain't got to be single, you got to be married. I just need five good-looking brothers. Come on, brothers. Come on now. Come on up here. I need you. I need you. I need. Come on, brother. I need. There you go. There you go. That brother came from the second row. He said, hold up. Hold up now. I need to be represented. I'm a good looking brother. I love it. I love it. I love it. So check it out. So the Bible says that the crowd was throgging Jesus. That means that this crowd was around Jesus so much so. Y'all come around me a little bit. I took a bath this morning. I promise. And I am married. Amen. Come on, brothers. Y'all good. Y'all good? All right. So the Bible says, now they're the disciples. These are disciples, okay? Which one of y'all is Judas? <laughs> Ain't none of them want to be Judas. No, no, Judas, he over there. It's just five of us this time. <laughs> so they're moving and they're going through the crowd. I mean, you got to see, you know, Peter's got an attitude. So, you know, he already mad. Everybody touching him. You know, he about to cut somebody's hand off for trying to reach to touch Jesus. And, you know, Thomas is always doubting. So he's like, man, I don't really know if this is really happening. It's just nobody's really sick. <laughs> you got all kind of issues going on and they're working their way. And the Bible says that they were close enough to crush Jesus. They were close enough to crush him. And then while they're working their way towards this miracle, he asked the unthinkable question, who touched me? Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a dilemma here because as Peter made it clear, thank you guys. Y'all give my good looking brothers a hand, please, thank you. <clears throat> any of you good looking brothers single? I'm just saying, any of you good looking brothers single? No, they all shaking, no, no, no. Brother's wife on the front row, what you say? What you say? Huh? Hello, you heard what Sarah did, right? Couch, couch anointing. <laughs> Great part about this is, is as the crowd is around Jesus, something happens that Peter stands up 
and says, Savior, oh, good Savior, oh, glorious one. Um, <laughs> bless you, sir, the Messiah. Yes, you are. Praise God. Everybody's touching you. You don't see all these people around us. And Jesus says something that I think we all ought to pay attention to as believers. He says, someone touched me because I perceived power going out from me, which means that there is a different way to touch Jesus to draw from him. Oh, my God. That, that, that it is, this is even scarier. It is possible to be in close proximity to the Savior and not really be touching him. You mean to tell me you sing songs, hallelujah. Ooh, shade I. Mm, felt that in my spirit. Hallelujah. Woo. You sing songs and you're still not touching Jesus. Welcome to Embassy City. Right this way. You hold signs and you're still not touching Jesus. Right this way. You usher. And you're still not touching Jesus? It, could it be possible to be in the same place that Jesus is and not really be touching him? I don't know about you, but I have made up in my mind that every single time I come into the house of God, every single time I get into the presence of the Lord, I am consumed with touching him. I need to touch him because he needs to touch me. Hello, somebody. I need him to touch me because I've got issues every day that I need him to work on. I need him to touch me because these people at work going to make me go all out up in here, up in here. Got a good amen for my sister over there. We should never be content with being close to him. We should always desire to touch him. Every opportunity to worship, you should touch him. Every opportunity to hear a word, you should touch him. Every time you open your Bible, you should touch him. Every time you worship in your car, you should touch him. Every time you play music at your job, you should touch him. And every time you get an opportunity, you should be touching Jesus. Because you know what else? There's a generation that's watching how you eat the Savior. Let me explain. When I go to restaurants, I walk slow. New place, I'm walking slow. You know why? Because I want to see what looks good on everybody else's plate. <laughs> And when I see somebody eating real good, now I'm not looking for the person that's just batting their peas and, you know, making dinner conversation. Mm -mm, I keep walking. When I see that person that's got knife, fork, feet moving under the table, mm, you know, they singing while they're eating. Mm, 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 mm. I stop and I ask the question, excuse me, sir. What is this? How can I find it on the menu? Because the way they ate made me hungry too. You see, we got to touch Jesus in a way that makes other people want to touch him too. 
We got to worship Jesus in a way that makes other people want to worship him too. We got to serve Jesus in a way that makes other people want to serve him too. We got to reach for Jesus in a way that will make a godless generation desire to reach for him too. Because the world is watching us and they are waiting to have a reason to reach for the Savior. And my God, please flow in some kind of power. I don't know about you, but God didn't touch me. He didn't save me. He didn't pull me out of what I was in for me to be the same person that I was. The Bible says that when she touched Jesus, power came out. That means that something ought to change about you. Something ought to be different about you. Something ought to be new about you. Something ought to be something different. There ought to be some kind of evidence that you have touched the Savior. That means that you ought to flow in something. You ought to have something positive to say. You need to touch him again. No, you need, no, you need to go back. So I need to go baptize again. Again, baptisms after the service. Praise the Lord. Because when you touch Jesus, change happens. I don't know about you, but when I touched Jesus, everything changed in my life. Let's go on from the crowd to the reach. Switching lenses now, we're moving to the lens of reach. Okay? Now, to see this particular part of the story, we got to go to the drone camera because I want us to see the entire landscape scape of the situation. Now, we know that we have Jairus and his daughter is dying, we have a big crowd of people who have gathered around because they are so excited to see the miracle that Jesus is about to perform. And we got a whole bunch of people that are not really touching Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, who touches me? Now, how did this woman get to Jesus? I like, come on now, this young man smart. He said, pushing the crowd. That's right, man. That's right. Push the crowd. Why not? Get out of my way. <laughs> I love it. The Bible says that the reach was from behind and it was low. Wait a minute. The woman is sitting by the side and she's watching the parade of people go by and she has to make a decision on whether she is going to get desperate enough to push past her 12 years of, now you gotta understand, this particular issue makes you weak. This particular issue makes you feel lifeless. This particular issue, <clears throat> as long as she had it, made her walk like this, because it was very hard to stand up. So she's very weak, she's in a low place already, but she's gotta go lower if she's gonna touch the Savior. So the Bible says that the reach was from behind. And so I, I actually, so she's, 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 she's on her way and she's trying to reach the Savior. My question to all of you is, how come she didn't just walk right up to him and touch him? Good question, right? I think the reason she could not walk right up to Jesus and touch him is because of the crowd of people who were parading around him, not really touching him, were in her way. You see, I have made up in my mind that I don't want to get in the way of anyone 
who comes in this room or who wants a relationship with Jesus because of my religious ways. See, because sometimes we allow our religious ways to get in the way of somebody who's trying to gain relationship with him. And, and, and we have to ask ourselves sometimes, am I in the way of someone who needs to reach for Jesus? Every Sunday you come in here, if you've been with Jesus for any amount of time, if you've been walking with him, you should always be looking out for people who need to touch him. For the first, There is someone in this room right now who needs to touch Jesus, who needs to get to him. They need a beeline to him. We ought to clear a way so that people that need Jesus can touch him. We ought to get out of our way. We ought to, we ought to push to the side to make sure that people who have real issues can really get to the Savior. So she does the unthinkable. She lowers herself and she crawls her way to Jesus. Now, this was not a regular crawl. This was a crawl through a crowd. She had to push her way through a crowd and she had to do whatever she had to do to get to Jesus. So she's being stepped on. She's still getting her way. She's pushing her way. She doesn't care. She's giving it all she's got. She's, this is her last ounce of strength. This is her last hope. She's heard about the sign. She's heard about the miracle. She's heard what Jesus can do. And she thinks just maybe, just maybe, if I get low enough, if I get desperate enough, I might be able to get to Jesus. And she gets herself low enough and she, she's stepping, she's heads being stepped on, hairs being mangled. Her hands are being stepped on. People are tripping over her. And she finally gets to a place where she can barely touch him. And with her last ounce of strength, she stretches and she touches Jesus at the hem of his border, at the garment, at the bottom of his, of his garment. It was from low place. See, when you want to touch Jesus for real, you can't be high and prideful. You got to get low and humble. See, we got to get to a place where we say, I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'll get rid of my pride. I'll come to my pastor and be honest and tell the truth about what I'm really going through. I'll go to counseling and tell the counselors what's really going on in my life because I'm really desperate and I'm tired of this issue plaguing my life and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get a touch from Jesus. And the Bible says immediately. Ooh. It didn't say five minutes later. It didn't say 60 seconds later. It did not say the next week. It did not say next month. It said immediately she was healed. And she stands straight up. And the unthinkable happens. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.